Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, You've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. We start a little bit differently there with the rather brilliant introduction to the trailer for Blood Feast. And now I want to have a little bit of a chat about it. You see, the film is the oldest movie on the Video Nasties list. Blood Feast marks itself out as the first splatter film to be made. And the only film from the self-titled Godfather of Gore, Herschel Gordon Lewis, that's on the list. It's a deliberately juvenile and clunky horror movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And surprisingly, considering its rather lifeless direction and amateur dramatics acting, it's now seen as quite an important film. The thing about Blood Feast is that While it certainly isn't a brilliantly made movie, it still came first, lighting the way for some of the gore movies of modern day. Made in 1963, Blood Feast 
Mal, uh, stars Mal Arnold, who plays Fuad, an Egyptian caterer with incredibly bushy and impressive eyebrows, who's gathering body parts to use in a blood feast to honour the ancient goddess Ishtar. He's been hired by the mother of young Egyptian student Suzette, who's played by Playboy playmate Connie Mason, to cater for a special party. Suzette, therefore, is in danger. The man is a psychopath. Uh, but luckily, she is dating a cop, a guy called Thomas Wood, who also, for some reason, happens to be in a class at school and is on the case of a gruesome serial killer who removes body parts from its victims. Will Fuad complete his work and create the blood sacrifices needed to bring back the goddess? Or will the cop manage to piece together the blindingly obvious work and catch our man? It is incredibly easy to dismiss Blood Feast. But the film really was pushing at the boundaries at the time. And Herschel Gordon-Lewis actually had form for pushing boundaries. This was his uh, the first film in a rather lengthy series of collaborations with exploitation producer David F. Friedman. Well, this was the first gore film in that case. He'd worked with him before with a movie called Living Venus in 1961 which was a fictitious account based on the story of Hugh Hefner and Beginnings Playboy. The films that Lewis and Freeman made at that point were basically early exploitation films and films nude scenes, although admittedly very softcore, were not seen in mainstream Hollywood pictures at all because of the censorship imposed by the, the motion picture production code. The early 60s were marked for the, for the, for the pair by a, a series of erotic movies. They were, well, very pointed in the way they were made, designed completely and utterly to turn a profit. Typically of the nudies were screwable comedies, Boing from 63. But it was the advantage of Lucky Pierre from 61, a film made for a shoestring at $7,500, which would become their first financial success, making three times its budget on its first release. They invented the nudie cutie genre, uh, and this was the first of its kind to be filmed in colour. The film starred comedian Billy Falbo, and it was unique for its time and genre because it added comedy to the nudity and senseless material. They were filmed basically in nudist camps to get around the law. Of all the world's great heroes, there's none that can compare with the one who's known all over as Lucky Pierre. Lucky Pierre? At long last, you'll meet storytelling's most celebrated character, the one, the only, Lucky Pierre. That's Pierre with his good friend Max. <laughs> Max on the right. Oh, there goes Max. And you'll go right up the walls as you follow the hilarious adventures of Lucky Pierre, the Park Avenue psychiatrist. Here's astronomer Pierre giving Venus the once-over. Uh, Venus O'Toole from across the courtyard. His technique. Shatterbug Pierre. Look through his lens and see more than ever before. This is the man who makes the pictures and absolutely devoid of any and all inhibitions. I'll get to see through his eyes, beauty and all its... <clears throat> 
natural glory. Lucky Pierre, always in the middle of gals and gags in as saucy a dish of A1 adult cinema fare as you'll ever taste. Lucky Pierre. And um, the and sixty three before uh, Blood Feast was released, they made Goldilocks and the Free Bears, and that's bears spelled B A R E S, which has built itself as the first and to date the only nudist musical. March. You will see Vicky Miles, the shining star of Nature's Playmates. You'll meet rugged Rex Marlowe, the skin-diving singing sensation. And at the sing, former light heavyweight champion, Joey Maxim, in his voice, screen appearance. Prepare to scrutinize the merchandise. It had to happen. The first nudist musical spectacular filmed it's tantalizing, titillating, and tantum, but never seen anything quite like it. Goldilocks and the Three Bears. The problems for our uh, two, uh, our partnership here, producer and director, became more acute as the nudie market began to wane. Lewis and Friedman entered into uncharted territory in 63 with Blood Feast. Consider my first, obviously the first gore film. Um... Because of the nature of the type of movie, they were fa- they were able to cater for the drive-in theatre market, which would never have been able to be done in the um, be for those skin flicks they made. Blood Feast is the first of the um, of a trilogy of gore films, from including Two Thousand Maniacs from '64 and Color Me Blood Red in '65. All all three followed the same for- formula. It was this full-on colour gore and display that caused me to the sensation. And uh, horror filmmakers throughout the world became eager to saturate the market with similar shocking visual effects. Lewis stopped working with Friedman after making me colour blood red, but continued to make further gore films in the 1970s. After his third film, the producer David F. Friedman said, I think that for now, we're going to abandon making any more super blood and gore movies, since so many of our contemporaries are launching similar productions, causing a risk that the market will quickly reach a saturation point. I think now, after all these years, I think the the chance that we're going to hit saturation points and gore movies might have passed. Uh, but it's a lovely thought. This idea that the the that blood trilogy would be enough and like uh, no 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 more could be made in the genre um Friedman was also the producer of two of the first Nazi exploitation titles Love Camp 7 which we'll be discussing in the future and Ilsa She Wolf of the SS which is a shocking film but never put on the ban- on the video nasties list he didn't use his real name for these films as they were quite grim, in truth, uh, using the pseudonym Herman Traeger instead. With the advent of hardcore porn as a commercial factor in the mid-70s, Freeman began to slow down his creative output. His mus- motto was always to sell the sizzle and not a sausage. And so, because he wouldn't allow... Uh, actual intercourse to be shown in his movies, he waned as the rise of films like uh, Deep Throat 
uh, and the devil and Miss Jones came to the fore. Still, he was president of the Adult Film Association of America, which is a trade association for hardcore porn producers. But back to Blood Feast. Blood Feast immediately became notorious for its gore. And it's often cited, you know, um, as a film where the uh, to show people who die with their eyes open. However, this isn't specifically true. Um, as early back as 1909 with The Country Doctor from D.W. Griffiths' movie show people dying with their eyes open. And The Public Enemy, and indeed Psycho, includes that incredible shot with, uh, with the corpse with its eyes open staring into camera. Friedman uh, created some effective um, publicity stunts to jump support for Blood Feast. Certainly things that we speak of before. Uh, we spoke about Nightmare, which had vomit bags, and as did Blood Feast as well. The vomit bags read, you may need this when you see Blood Feast. And he even managed to get an injection against his own movie in Sarasota in Florida, which unsurprisingly generated more interest in other parts of the world as other parts of the country and unlike um, some some um, some problems where people play that card and it, and it doesn't pay off as it gets groundswell in this case it worked well Fuad was, is the, the character is described by author Christopher Wayne Curry in his book A Taste of Blood the films of Herschel Gordon Lewis as the original machete-wielding madman and the forerunner to similar characters of Friday the 13th and Halloween. However, Lewis said of the film, his own movie, I've often referred to Blood Feast as a Walt Whitman poem. It's no good, but it was the first of its type. Say, what do you make of these murders, Frank? He always kills the same way. It just takes one part of the body. This time, he took the brains. Now, what kind of a creature do that? Pathological killer. Sick, sick mind. Well, we've got to notify the parents. I don't look forward to that. You check on the boy. Find out anything he can remember. All right, let's get this poor girl's body down to the morgue. Officer, go get a stretcher, will you, please? Um, a lot of the criticisms come from the movie, kind of say, you know, obviously it's not very well made and it's, you know, it is very... You know, almost Ed Wood style static in some of its direction shots. Obviously, be filmed on no money at all. And um, a lot of the replies tend to from the filmmakers were that you know they were just making you know it, it, they're having fun and that it's a bit of a comedy. I think part you can see a little element of that, probably not in the film itself, but certainly in the novelization, which uh, coincided with the release, which has different versions of the central characters. And has a much more humorous tone and for some reason set Chicago rather than Miami. I think it's easy to kind of just to throw your hands up and say, yeah, but this film is just a big joke and I don't know what the problem is. 
um, which you know is dismissive and not very helpful in terms of a, a critical what critical response to a, to a piece of cinema. That said, you know it did come first. Although, you know there there are equally people that argue that a film like Psycho is really the forerunner even to Blood Feast, and although not as violent and certainly not a splatter film as such, to say that um, Fuad was our first um, slasher murderer on screen just isn't it can't isn't true. And Hitchcock got it, got there first with uh, some of the scenes from Hit Psycho. But certainly in terms of pushing the envelope, being more gory, and uh, being, you know, just generally being quite scary. I mean, you know, scary, but you know, in your face with the violence. Uh, Blood Feast still stand out. I think <coughs> when I watched when I watched it again recently for my research, I was I was still quite surprised by the level of gore. It reminds me of when I first watched it. Just because you don't expect a film to be that that that's old, that is that old, that is quite so violent, and uh, it does it does show. Um, Astra released the movie in the UK on May 1982, and it was an early casualty. To be fair, the video nasty skit was one of the ones that was banned on the first list in July 1983, and stayed on that list throughout the panic. So it became one of the collectible 39s. Interestingly, it was passed with still 23 seconds of cuts in it, 2001 on it for Tartan Video. Now, the reason for these cuts back in 2001 was because of a successful OPA prosecution in 1994. Um, they were for uh, foresight of a woman being lashed. Um, which, when you look at it now, still seems bizarre but obviously you know they feel they have to do these things um, the, those whipping scenes are uh, 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 it's because there's blood on the whip um, and so you see markings but um, it <laughs> there's also there's also blood on a clothes which kind of shows you exactly how they're making the effect happen um, it's very silly but you know that was the law back then uh, 2005 was finally passed on cut, and I think sense was probably seen. Interestingly, Hitchcock Gordon Lewis, uh, by the early 1970s, decided to leave filmmaking to work on his copyright and direct marketing. Um, and he wrote several books on the subject back in the 1980s. Um, in 2002, he kind of rever- returned back to, to the horror genre. Uh, with Blood Feast 2, All You Can Eat, a sort of sequel to the first film, which also features a cameo from John Waters. The sequel is a kind of um, like a grandfather, grandson taking up his grandfather's work. I don't know if <laughs> I'm not, you know, it's um, it's it's a lot technically a lot a lot better made, if nothing else. And in 2006, Lewis was inducted into the Poly Staffel Hall of Fame. Um, you know, he appeared in like he did occasional cameos. A film like Chains Called Sock Sally from two thousand and four, and um, in two thousand nine, he released the Oh Oh Show, which is about a TV show where contestants are dismembered for wrong answers. That was originally screened in November of two thousand and nine, 
at the Abattoir Horror Festival in Aberystwyth over in Wales. And he's produced a, um, a memoir now, uh, the, the Godfather of Gore Speaks. Uh, currently he's trying, but not really being very successful in trying to get a new f- um, film off the ground, Zombie Eater. He went to uh, Kickstarter to get it start to get it funded, but fell way short of his $100,000 uh, estimation of what it would cost to make. Which is a shame, but, you know, market forces, I suppose. Um, I think he's a fascinating bloke. And the thing I like about him is that Herschel is very much a man who um, was at the centre of the the 60s and 70s exploitation circuit. He did. He didn't just do horror films. He did, you know, these nudist, nudist, nudist based uh, exploitation. He did the odd roughy as well. He did comedy, and he was a real jack of all trades. He, he kind of turned his hand to direct whatever he felt he could sell. At its heart, Blood Feast exists to shock people so it makes money. Um, like a lot of horror, I suppose. But, um, and almost the, the video nasty scare stuff isn't something that elevated it much beyond where it was going to be anyway, though. The, um, it was always going to be a big film, a notorious film, because it was always created to be that. And yeah, you know, it ain't great in terms of the way it's made. And, um, Herschel, God love him, you know, at this stage is not a fantastic director. Um, I mean, if you look at a lot of those um, those films, the nude cuties and all that, they are, you know, incredibly statically shot and very, you know, front on face and, you know, the most obvious shots you can really, um, just to, you know, but he's working on no money, he's working as fast as he can and, and all those kind of considerations as well. Um, we've got a little bit of feedback as well um, so that's great uh, a regular contributor now I think it's fair to say Rob Wilson who uh, has, has sent in a few of his reviews um, he writes just post this to Facebook I haven't seen 1963 Blood Feast since the late 80s my memories of it were foggy I remember it being boring there was a scene where a girl's tongue gets ripped out I just rewatched the film via YouTube I wasn't bored it was much gorier than I remember. It had a very likeable, low-budget feel. The plot is goofy, but I didn't sit down to watch Citizen Kane. The filmmakers are in on the fun as well. The look of the killer is great. The eyebrows are mesmerising. Said to be the first gore movie, director Hazel G. Lewis made a sequel in 02. I haven't seen that, but enjoy. Um. Thanks a lot very much for that, Rob. It's fantastic, you know, getting getting other people's viewpoints. And indeed, he has our character um, forward as the most amazing eyebrows. Like he has this like obviously dyed salt and pepper hair. And um, there's a moment. Well, I'm, I'm going to include the clip of it when he um, he hypnotizes um, 
the mum. So she, uh, she, she, you know, she, so she gets it. So she, she agrees to this Egyptian blood feast without asking what's an Egyptian feast. And, um, and he, he, there's a, a fantastic close up of his eyes and he's arched, apparently stuck on salt and pepper, um, eyebrows that are massively thick. Uh, and it is, it is cracking, absolutely cracking. It, it just, I mean, you know, obviously, it is that scene in particular is played for laughs. But I suppose, you know, people aren't necessarily used at that stage to such extreme gore at all anyway. And when you throw a bit of comedy on top, I think it must have kind of melted their heads a little bit. To be fair. Anyway, thanks very much for the uh, the feedback there, Rob. That, that, that's fantastic. Good day, are you Mr. Ramsey's? I'm Dorothy Fremont. Uh, well, I heard about you from a friend of mine, Annette Dupree. I'm giving a dinner party in two weeks for my daughter, and Mrs. Dupree said that you cater to just the type of thing I'm looking for. I want uh, uh, something unusual, something totally different. Yes, Mrs. Fremont. I do cater to unusual affairs. What do you consider to be unusual? Oh, I don't know. What do you recommend? Have you ever had an Egyptian feast? Why, that would be fine. That would be perfect. My daughter, Suzette, is a student of Egyptian culture. Mr. Ramses, she'd just love it. An Egyptian feast. Yes, an authentic dinner, such as one might have attended in ancient Egypt. The actual feast of an ancient pharaoh. It has not been served for 5,000 years. Yes. Also, just to some thanks on Twitter, thanks to Uncle Chap, um, Jim Moon, who's a uh, hypnogorian, is a fantastic podcast, Hypnobops. Also to uh, at Grindhouse Dave and at M Puzzle Cinema as well for for, for retweeting um, some of my stuff and uh, getting in touch. Um, Aim Publicity um, as well and at TTK Kane. Um, there's been there's been loads and everyone's again just just lovely. Um, uh, you know, really. Really great stuff. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it's fantastic that people have been, you know, um, kind of highlighting, highlighting what I'm do, I've been doing. Um, if you want to uh, get in touch, you can do. And it would be great if you did. The website is videonastiespodcast.com. The email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. Um, And the, my Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey as well. 
if you like to, uh, yeah, if you want to give them feedback or any opinions or anything else, that that would be great. Uh, you know, iTunes reviews greatly, gratefully received as well. If you go to the website, there is currently um, a couple of odds and sods. There's a, a written review of the, uh, the, the Blu-ray of Possession, uh, which came out last week and is fantastic. And if you're a fan, you should buy it. There's also, uh, well, there's all the trailers, including the Blood Feast trailer that, uh, that we use in this episode. There's a piece about internet censorship as well um, that I wrote, which kind of talks about some of the, the legal changes that might be being introduced into the UK and how it might affect. But yeah, if you want to get in touch, that's great. And, and if um, anything else catches your eye, please come and say hello. Um, so, until next week, when we are discussing... Oh, a controversial one. Fight for your life. So, until then, take care and I will speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, You've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Have you ever had an Egyptian feast? <laughs>